Welcome to another episode of the More Love podcast with Helen Reynolds. The place for conversations that reveal your greatest strength is in your sensitivity to love energy. We are sharing this episode with Brian Longhurst. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure entirely. Well, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty awesome to have you here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I think you might prod and poke a little bit more out of me than usual, so that could be good. <laughs> Actually, there's a wonderful synchronicity that happened just before this episode. The last episode that I released was with Michael Rhodes, and it's Michael Rhodes who wrote the foreword to your book, your first book. That is correct, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't, real- I didn't realise that at the time. Synchronicity in full steam. That's right. (laughs) So what I'd like to do is explain why I invited you on the podcast. So one of the all-time favourite episodes on the More Love podcast is with quite a recent one with Anne Olson. um, Yes. Who, Anne's the author of Surrender to the Stillness. And she spoke about her direct relationship with Jesus and the Christ Council. It was a really beautiful episode. I listened to it and I loved it. Yeah, it's very beautiful. And in that episode, she discussed her journey to her relationship with Jesus and the crucial step of learning to listen. And Anne's words inspired me to invite another guest who's mastered the art of listening and communicating with Jesus and Here you are. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Wonderful. So let me share in a nutshell a version of your journey to and with Jesus. This will be a very nutshell version. But I'm going to say that you've been unique from the beginning because not many have such a strong desire in their childhood to understand and connect with what you describe as soul awareness of the great cosmic universal creative intelligence intelligent force or being that you felt was communing with you yeah so beautiful and I was about that happened over a period of about three years every two or three months uh from the age of about five or six to seven or eight um I didn't I was too young to understand what was going on but it was Mm. it was well, there aren't words to describe uh, how utterly beyond this world that was. I was connected directly with what I now realize is Papa God, uh, but of course I didn't know that at the time, at five Mm. or six, seven years old. I see, the thing is that most people who feel that have silenced it or at least begun mastering the art of ignoring it by their late teenage years or early 20s. Yes. But not you, no. (laughs) Through a series of divine synchronicities, Olga Park became your spiritual mentor when I think you were just 21 years old. Is that right? Well, I was 20 when I met Olga. Yes. I just think that's so amazing. You write about your deep desire to know God and his anointed messenger, as in Jesus, Um, And your journey to meet Olga, to meeting Olga, and your first experience of meeting Jesus and beyond that, but that's just the beginning, in your first book, Seek Ye First the Kingdom. And it's the first of seven 
books that you've completed. It's really evident to me both intellectually, but more importantly, through the resonance of my heart, that the compassion, guidance and instruction you received from Jesus is perfectly aligned with that shared by Anne and that that I find in A Course in Miracles and A Course of Love that I'm more familiar with. And probably most important of all, it matches the resonance of my own being. Hallelujah. (laughs) We know that there's more to us than than meets the eye. Yes, infinitely more. Mm. You've been in direct communion with Jesus for 55 years now, is that right? January the 24th, 1967, he manifested to me in his celestial glory, but that was only in response to my earnest asking. And if we don't ask, the the realms of light cannot help us unless we ask, because we have God-given free will, and not asking means we don't want. And they have to go along with our God-given free will. So it's absolutely paramount that if we, if we really want to know, we must ask and then give thanks. But asking is the first step. And Jesus is recorded as saying in the Bible, seek and ye shall find. Now ask and ye shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. And it's interesting that even in the English language, those the first initial letters of those three words spell A-S-K, ask. An interesting bit of wordplay. And Jesus is very good at wordplay. Well, you're pretty good with words yourself because there's seven books now, 600 messages of encouragement and accompanying diary of Christ's communicant on your website, actually more than 600. Um, I can't say I've read them all. (laughs) (laughs) You'd have to be a speed reader to do that. I'm not. Um, And you've written countless emails of support and clarification for anyone who's asked, anyone with the desire to know the truth of their being. I'm sure you would be there. Yes. So we're very blessed to have you on the More Love podcast. Thank you, Brian. It's a great pleasure to be here, especially to get in conversation with you, (laughs) A delight, an absolute delight. I thought I'd hit you with this really big question. (laughs) It's a little bit cheeky and see where it goes. So absolutely. Sometimes I think a lot of us wonder if Jesus is concerned or even maybe God, you know, at the beginning of our journey, we might not differentiate so well between Jesus and God about the current state of the world, because many people are experiencing it as worrisome at best, um, despairing kind of midway (laughs) and um, utterly not worth living in at worst. It's, It's trying times at the moment. Yes. From a bigger perspective, is this something of of concern when we look at it from a higher perspective? And so if we are focusing, at least for this bit of the conversation, on uh, let's use the word depression, although uh, that word can encompass uh, on the extreme despair uh, and these, these negative 
states of mind are triggered uh, within us, and they may take years or decades to emerge. They're triggered by, uh, we, we descend into depression through lack of various qualities that are what we really are, which is faith, trust, belief, and of equal importance, a sense of purpose. Now, in this world, many people might think, well, my purpose is to make a fortune and marry that beautiful woman and blah, blah, blah. But those are temporal purposes. Mm. We have, we are here in embodied form uh, to fulfill a much greater purpose. Now, that purpose is decided, agreed upon by ourself, uh, and that before we incarnate. And that uh, can take the form of discussion with Jesus or others from the realms of light who uh, recognize that we are about to make a descent into a new embodiment uh, and that we want to outwork and fulfill a purpose that has lasting meaning and value, not just for ourselves, but our, the whole brotherhood of humanity in the sonship of God. Now, I didn't know any of this when I first encountered Jesus in 1967, but this was explained to me over decades, and I distinctly recall him telling me at least twice that he and I had had a discussion about why I wanted to incarnate this time around, uh, and the purpose was agreed between him and me. And he used the word afore time, which means before I incarnated. And when we incarnate, we go into forgetfulness. Mm. That's part of the process. Uh, but Jesus doesn't forget, and those with whom we have, others we have consulted before we incarnate, uh, they haven't forgotten either, and they are here to help us. And so asking is, again, paramount. Uh, if we ask, it shall be given. If we seek, we shall find. If we knock, it shall be opened. And I can give testimony to that from my own life's journey. Uh, so the reason why I wanted to uh, come into this life to help people to understand more about who they really are and why we are here is because this world has devised multiple mechanisms for sidetracking us, getting yes, us off track. Absolutely. Uh, not, and probably the most important one, especially within the so-called Christian religion, of which there are 40,000 different sects or branches, that's such and a that's, big number. That's continuing. That is continuing. 20 years ago, it was 20,000. And in 20 years, it's doubled, approximately, of course. Uh, but fear and guilt are the mainstream mechanisms used by institutionalized religion uh, to keep us in the dark, the darkness of guilt uh, and fear. So we descend uh, into the state of fear, guilt, depression, despair, all those allied 
properties, a step at a time, perhaps for most of us. Uh, and if we, and most people in today's world, are lacking in meaningful purpose. So they establish a substitute purpose, a temporal purpose uh, of gaining power over people rather than power with people. Well, our world is so designed to keep us uh, occupied, trapped, but um, busy, 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 oh, busy, yes. busy. And so we don't, it doesn't, there's, as part of the hijacking, if we can use that word, you know, the Definitely. busyness is um, there's no time to to come into the centre of our being to Busyness is a snare. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it keeps us absolutely hogtied so that um, we can't progress. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I went to Canada. I felt an inner drawing, an impulsion that I needed to escape from uh, familial circumstances, uh, friendships, relationships of the people that I'd grown up with and in my working life in London and so on, and make a complete break and a new start. Well, all that was organized from spirit without me knowing that they were doing it, uh, but it achieved its objective, which was getting me in contact with Olga Park. Yeah, and so just for listeners to give some perspective, you were just 19 or 20 when you 19, moved countries yeah. all by yeah. yourself Yeah, um, and on this inner impulse. Uh, yes. And amazing. Was, the beginning of that journey physically was uh, standing on the ship that I was sailing to Canada uh, on uh, from Southampton. And... Um, I was standing on the rail looking down at my parents who were waving goodbye and they looked like ants. They were so far down below me. And it was at that moment that I had my first and possibly my only ever out-of-body experience. And that was a real foreshadowing of the amazing adventure that lay before me. And suddenly I found myself looking down uh, from about 10 feet above, this young man standing, leaning on the rails, waving goodbye to his parents. And to my astonishment, that was me. I was looking at me from above. Well, I didn't know what that meant at the time, but of course, we all hear about out-of-body experiences these days. So that's that was just to let me know that I was doing the right thing. <laughs> We, I spent some time talking about transcendent experiences. I called on the podcast, we talked about NOTES, and NOTES stands for Non-Ordinary Transcendent Experience Excellent. because they're not normalised yet. There are more and more of them everywhere, mm. just as you suggested, which is a complete, to me, that's a complete sign of the awakening that's happening uh, like through the planet itself or through yes. the cosmos. Well, it's happening universally. Yeah. Not just on planet Earth, but throughout, throughout the rest of the physical creation where it's needed. And is that why Earth, the, what happens here on Earth now, is actually quite critical? Is that true? Yes, it is. It is very critical because there is only 
unity and oneness throughout all creation. And even the cosmologists are realizing that there is no actual time lapse or distance between connectedness. Um, and they've proved this, that what happens to an atom somewhere in the universe uh, is recognized and discerned by an atom could be untold numbers of light years away. So the universe is connected at every level from electrons within atoms, atoms, molecules, uh, and sentient beings. So if a, if a woodland or a forest is being attacked by caterpillars, for example, uh, and they land on one particular tree, that tree sends out distress signals throughout that woodland or forest to every other tree, particularly of its own species, uh, saying, we're under attack. So get ready and start uh, producing chemicals that you can push up into your leaves to make your foliage less attractive to these invading caterpillars. Now that's all well-established, documented, scientific fact. Uh, most of the world doesn't hear about it because the world is programmed not to want to know the truth. But it's all around us and it's, it's inevitable that it will come out because now is the time of the Great Awakening. This is the most exciting time in the history of humanity and we're here. How brilliant is that? How blessed are we? It's exciting, <laughs> it's testing, it's can be liberating, but let's double back to, uh, on the liberating idea, let's double back to asking and depression. Yes, okay. To me, it's a, it's a really intense period of asking because the pain is so acute. Yeah. To me, it was very much like I either choose to live in the grind to the grave, that's how it felt to me, like I would just grind away at my life, nothing had yeah. much meaning, and eventually I'd end up in the grave and so be it, <laughs> like it's just yeah. empty. Or I ask for it to be different and I didn't know what to ask for. But the good news is uh, our mind may not know how to form the words, but our heart it knows. does. And it is our heart that is listened to by the creator and the rest of creation. Yep. So we are never alone, ever, not for an instant. So our path is being guided and directed, even though we don't consciously know it. But that's not taking our free will, because the guiding of our path is agreed before we incarnate. So this is something with which we have agreed, even if we're not consciously aware of it. But we will become consciously aware of it once we say, okay, I'm up for this journey. Let's go. But also another way to think of that is, is the light beings or the, or the beings or the energy that's guiding us is, is love energy. It's, it's, it's of caring and compassion and loving nature. Yes. And it's, it's never, as you said, it's not going to interfere, but it's never going to leave us alone. So yeah. I, was try, I was trying to make it, you, you know. just expressed it perfectly. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> and, 
And we are loved beyond imagining. Mm. Humanity has no idea how tenderly, how inexpressibly, gently, and embracingly we are loved. Now, I'd like to share with you a short message from Jesus that was dated September the 8th, 1991. Wow. And this message, this message is not just for the person who receives it, it's for anyone who is willing to accept it for themselves. So this message that I'm just about to share, which is Jesus speaking, uh, and he is speaking to every single one of us. And he says, little ones, I would speak with you. Be not afraid, I am your friend. I reach out my arms toward you in love, in caring, in compassion, in understanding. I long for you to know me, to open your heart to my gentleness and to receive my blessing, that your lives may be uplifted and that joy may enter in and wash away your caring and your burden and that your life and that you may have life new and abundant. I counsel you, in your heart, draw close to me, that I may put upon you the cloak of my love and the crown of your glory, that the light within you may burst forth into the dark corners of your life and of your fellows and show to you there is truly nothing to fear. For we now enter the final phase of the banquet feast, wherein the new heaven shall manifest itself into the new earth. I counsel you also, my beloveds, let not your vision be double, for that which you see with the earthly eye is confusion, created by the disintegration of that which passes away. Rather, focus with thy single eye upon that which is new, upon that which already is my reality, that which shall not pass away, that which is here in the midst, more real, more tangible, more lasting, more fulfilling than all that the double vision can encompass. And all this is yours freely and gladly and joyfully, It is your inheritance from the Father, which it is your birthright to receive, for you are all his children. I am the way by which this joy, this wholeness, this fulfillment may be yours. I am your friend. Speak with me as such. Walk with me. Take my hand in yours. I give it always for your reassurance, for your peace, for your strengthening that we may be together, for I know that which is in your heart and that which is your desire and would release the chains to unveil that that which is truly you. Ponder these things and speak with me and in the stillness I will speak with you. Peace be still, all is well. So that is a message to us all. And it's a timeless message. It applied then, it applied 500 years ago, it applies tomorrow and next year, and as long as we are not actually functioning 
within that conscious awareness to help us forward. And we can't do this alone. He also said to me, I'll see if I can remember this verbatim without having to read it. He said to me, uh, this was in 1977, I can be a staff to assist you in the steep places, but I cannot be your feet. This is your journey and you must take the steps. This is the only way the journey upon which you have embarked can be completed. So we have to take the steps, but he's there beside us. He's like a staff, which is a big walking stick, like mm -hmm. Moses had, uh, to assist us in the steep places. And this is, this is what's real. It's not what's going on on the stock exchange and in China and whatever else the media loves to ram down our throat. <laughs> um, this is reality. This, and if we focus on that and stay steadfastly focused, then that will become our reality. And it doesn't make any difference what's going on in the world around us. All that stuff that is the, the broken world is still appearing to happen externally, but we're going within. And it's within that we will find the stillness, the peace, the, the actual reality, which is love and peace and joy eternally and freedom freedom we're we're prison we're in prison here when we're stuck in our mind you know when our mind's so busy and so worrisome and blows things out of proportion and gets us right in a oh yes mess um, that that's imprisonment isn't it and, yes it is and ultimate turmoil and pain and suffering we are our own jailer yeah the thing that's hard to to journey through, I guess, is the the small steps of of reassurance and the small steps of building our faith that there is more and that there is another truth. And I think one of the mistakes, or the it's not a mistake, it's a confusion when we're at the beginning of our journey, is you know we're told to go within that the truth lies within. And we're told to enjoy the journey. But it, we wonder if we go within, what, what's all this for? How do we make both matter? I think that's a confusing part of the journey. Well, it will be to someone who doesn't understand the nature of esoteric reality. And when we're starting our journey, we don't have any understanding of what our esoteric reality is. Mm. But the um, Could we also say spiritual reality? Is that an, a yeah, fair uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exchange? And we are spirit beings. Mm. Um, a lot of people say we're we're a soul uh, with a body, mm. and that is Michael Rhodes says that, and that's that's true. But I've been prompted with a term for the word soul that is for me more expressive. And that is that uh, the life force which keeps us upright and mobile, is, I refer to as a, um, an energy force field. Now, we, the, some people refer to this as the aura, and some people with the gift of uh, psychic sight can see people's auras. 
Uh, now, an aura will expand or contract depending on the state of our mind. And if we're fearful, it contracts and it goes dark. But if we're full of joy, it expands and becomes light. So this energy force field, which is uh, another term for our soul, is greatly empowered by the mind. And if we choose to direct our thoughts uh, through the energy force field of our life force, uh, energy force field, then that expands outward. And we're uh, generating like a dynamo, love, energy, peace, energy, joy, all the positive attributes. And that goes out throughout the universe. So if we, we all get requests for prayer from this person who's ill or in hard times and so on. And so if we send out, if we generate that energy uh, and it's flowing out from us like a tsunami, then um, the Holy Spirit or the spirit of truth or our higher self, whatever term we want to employ, harvests that energy and it will uh, use that energy uh, directed towards the person for whom we're praying or sending love and blessings and goodwill. Or if we're thinking, um, oh, what's going on in Syria is dreadful. Uh, and uh, so I'm sending my love and blessing there. Then that energy will be harvested and applied where it knows is according to our heart's desire to achieve the best possible result. Now that is reality. What's going on down the street and all that business is temporal. It passes away and it has no particular focus of purpose or direction. But we have the power to save the world within ourselves. But we've got to start accepting that we are the son of God created in his exact likeness in terms of uh, heart and mind and uh, Christ empowerment for performing what the world perceives as miracles. If one is looking much higher than that, it's possible to see that there are no miracles as such. We are simply calling them miracles because we don't understand them. Well, Jesus understood them uh, and they were normal. They were natural to him. And they become natural to us as we choose the path forward into the light, which we're free at free will to do here and now in a world full of turmoil. We can ex extricate ourselves from the turmoil in an instant by going within. And we can do that sitting on the train, um, walking the dog, anything, washing up. Uh, it doesn't matter what our body is engaged in. We can go within to the kingdom of God and the reality of eternal life, of which we are an inextricable part, an essential part, uh, and connect with that greater reality here and now. Now, that is what is happening in this world right now. And we're seeing what the world would call miracles emerging in all directions and some would say well that's a little miracle and that's a bigger one and there's a monster <laughs> miracle there's no order of magnitude in miracles they're all the same 
and that is they're all real. Now, we're asleep. We're pretending that that isn't real. So that's what we believe is what we perceive. So when we change our mind, we will perceive anew and experience anew. And that newness will be as exemplified by Jesus 2,000 years ago. And he hasn't gone away. He's here with us now. It's glorious. <laughs> Living in the truth is a little bit more, though, than just perceiving what you believe, isn't it? You know, living in illusion, we perceive our beliefs, I guess. I'm just trying to use your words, and I'm, I've, I've missed a couple. <laughs> um, but Don't worry. When, we, when we live from truth, it's, it's more than perception. It becomes a knowing. Yes. It becomes a certainty. At the beginning of the journey, you know, if we're moving from despair or depression, it's completely unknown. We've totally forgotten. But if we can hope that there's more to life than meets the eye or hope that yeah. there could be another way yes. or have that deep inner desire to know the purpose of life or to, to love and to be loved, then something will present itself because all that deep desire is the asking. Yeah. And then over the journey, it becomes a knowing. And so then it becomes more, way, way, way more than perception to live. Yes. Um, More than perception, more than belief, uh, certainty, absolute Mm. certainty. And I can say that after 55 years, uh, the doubts and the uncertainty have become certainty, a certainty of knowing beyond all doubt. That uh, the stuff that I've written in my seven books, which I'm as astonished about as, as probably more astonished that this happened, but this was all agreed with Jesus before time before I incarnated. So now uh, people say to me, you absolutely believe this. And I said, well, actually I used to believe it, but now I know it because it has, I've allowed it to become my experience because I desired it. That was my first, that's the first step we have to take. Do we have the desire for this journey? And it won't always be comfortable, There'll be some difficult patches, and Teresa and I have had difficult patches, uh, but we've come through it, and so uh, we we are guided, we're helped, we're loved. We couldn't do this journey on our own. I've written loads of chapters in these seven books about this, the way in which we're helped the practical ways, ways that we're not even aware of when they're happening. We only realize with hindsight, I was helped through that difficult patch. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have done it on my own. And I dare say you've had experiences to that effect. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's part of the height, the the isolating. um, Sorry, I'm just trying to do three thoughts at once. But you said we're not alone. And we're absolutely not alone. But part of the hijacking is to make us believe that we need to live independently, that we're all um, unique from each other. And while we are unique, but the hijacking part is 
it's a bit like living when we're living in the material world it's a bit like every man and dog for himself isn't it yeah yeah and there's a there's a codicil to that every man for himself and devil take the hindmost oh, I, I don't know if you've heard that, that. No. yeah my dad used to say that <laughs> the devil so that means the devil takes the last one yeah 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 mm. oh, let's be clear there is no devil there's only exactly. one creator. Yes, exactly. We've made up the devil. Yeah. And yeah. and when we're in that despairing depression like state, it, it seems very real. Or at least it did to me when I was yes. very low. It's it seemed very real, like there was a devil out to get me. I might as well just sell my soul now. <laughs> there are a lot of people in that state of mind and understanding, but it isn't true, and we've made all that up. Yeah. Anything that is not of love, love is eternal, and anything that is not of love passes away. So uh, love is eternal. So, for example, uh, we, in, over our last 50-odd years, we've had various dogs and cats, and they were part of the family, yeah. and we loved them. Uh, and when it came time to say farewell to them in their embodied state, uh, which is always a heartbreaker. Uh, but I was aware on each occasion that as they were being euthanized, uh, they were emerging. And I saw a cat we had called Oscar. And he'd come to the end of his journey after 17 years with a body. So the vet injected the euthanol. Uh, and he said, there may be some jerking as he, as his, it's involuntary and he's not experiencing any pain. But he didn't jerk or do any of that. But his head sank down as he was leaving his body. But I saw his soul leaving the body and his soul head, as it were, started to rise up. And he looked up and he looked around. And it was as if he was saying, hey. This is all right. I can deal with this. And he rose up and was gone. But he's still around. And when we walk with the dog, and the dogs are here, and I said to them, if you want to move on to another stage in your adventure, you're free to go. But if you, if you love us and want to stay around, you will always be welcome. So they are. And so when I walk in the hills, the dogs are with me. And Oscar, the cat, cheeky blighter that he is, wraps himself round my neck. Mm -hmm. So I'm carrying him because cats don't normally go for walks. <laughs> walks in the hills. And the dogs are racing around full of life, full of joy. Uh, but they want to do it because I'm doing it with them. It's wonderful. Mm, so much, that is wonderful. It's all liberating to understand the greater reality that we're hunkering down away from. Oh, I don't want to hear about spiritual matters because it makes me fearful. Well, there's nothing to fear. The only thing to fear is fear itself. And we're very good at engendering fear to keep ourselves shrunk down. And if I have a purpose here, it's to help people to understand that there is no death, there is only continuity, 
and that we are loved and that when we ask for help, it is given. And in fact, it's given before we have asked because our hearts and minds are known and understood. And we formulate thoughts from our heart. So by the time they've reached word formation stage in our mind, Papa and Jesus know exactly what we're going to say or what we're going to ask because they have read our hearts and minds. Simple. <laughs> There's so much more. As you can see, I really, I guess I really had to write seven books to try and encompass all this. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to do anything like that. I knew I had to write one book and I thought that was it. But then, amazingly, uh, when book one had been uh, published for a year or two, three different people said exactly the same thing to me uh, three weeks within a span of three weeks. And none of these people knew each other. They were on different continents even. And they all said, when are we going to see another book from you? Because we know there's one in there. Well, I thought, no. But when three people say the same thing within three weeks, you've got to say to yourself, if I don't listen to my inner promptings, how do I know what I'm going to be missing? There we are. And then, so I wrote the second book, Finding the Kingdom Within. And three days after that was published, uh, on Easter Day 2014, the Holy Spirit, or the voice within, gave me the title of five more books quicker than I could write them down. I had to scrabble for a piece of scrap paper and a pencil to write down uh, the titles. And these titles are a progressive series of steps uh, on our journey from the valley of the shadow of death, see Psalm 23, uh, to the summit of the hill of the Lord, see Psalm see Psalm 24. So we're on a journey from the valley of the shadow of death, this dream world where we think we're a mortal body, uh, up to the place where we find ourselves in the holy presence, the presence of the one, the holy one. Uh, so the titles of the books are Seek Ye First the Kingdom, Finding the Kingdom Within, Entering the Kingdom Within, living from the kingdom within, sharing the kingdom within, extending the kingdom within, and being the kingdom within. Now, those titles were given to me. I didn't make them up. And it was only afterwards that I realized, hey, this is a progressive order of our journey. <laughs> it's like the road atlas to, to uh, joining with our true selves. Yes, that's a very good description. Yeah, I think I might borrow that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or even a sat nav. Yeah, yeah. In today's world, we hardly need a road book. We've got a well, sat now you'll nav. Have, you'll have to record them as audios then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, you use a really Christian language, which some people really buck at. And yes. I happened to be one of them 
yeah. until quite recently. So um, the I'm just trying to rack my brain as to what turned me around, and I think it was the course of love. It has a very Christian language uh, yeah. and, and quite – uh, so for those listeners who aren't familiar with The Course of Love, it was received by Marie Perron from Jesus and he maintained that Christian language for that particular purpose yeah. um, that for A Course of Love. But it's not the only language, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And therefore, you know, now that I'm a little further along my journey, I can see that we can use Christian language. It's not the only language. It's not the necessary language. It no. can be very specific, which is useful. Um, and yeah. it it helps us to see a continuity over a longer period of time, perhaps. But I guess I'm just trying to allay any fears about heading into a Christian language if if it's not familiar to you as a listener. Yeah. The thought that's come to my mind as he was saying that is, um, one could start out by saying, well, the Christian language is the language of Christ, albeit that that, um, let's think of Jesus as being the Christ, because that's what we're most familiar with. Um, but uh, the people who wrote the various bits of the Bible were putting that language in a box and saying, these are, this is all there is, and this is what you have to stick to. But the genie is coming out of the bottle now. I'm mixing a couple of metaphors here. Uh, and so that language can expand and, uh, and grow in our own within. And it becomes from the dead word, if you will, uh, on the printed page where you've got black ink on a piece of paper uh, and people read that and they don't understand what it's saying. So it has not come alive. But when we go within to study the words on the page and they start to grow within us a sense of understanding, mm. then those words become the living word or the word of life. And so the words that Jesus spoke in the long ago and what he's teaching us in A Course in Miracles and A Course of Love and whatever else, uh, that is now coming out of, the, out of the box. He's opened the lid and saying, now let's expand what you've got recorded in the Bible, which has been so uh, redacted and changed throughout the centuries. Uh, although it's amazing how much of what he said has remained there, it's astonishing. And when you've got the living, when you've got into the place where the word is becoming enlivened within you, you get to be able to discern this bit is the living word and it's true, but this bit is off piste and it's it's uh, not really taking us anywhere. Mm, that's that's the saying, isn't it? Those with the eyes to see. Yes. On Christmas Day, 1993, a man called um, William Tyndale, who was burnt at the stake in the 1500s for translating the Bible into English by the church, they caught him and burnt him at the stake. 
for helping people to understand what Jesus had to say. Um, he manifested to me on Christmas Day, 1993, because I had been given a copy of a new edition of the, the Tyndale Bible, which I was very interested in William Tyndale and what he did. And so when I opened the wrapping and saw this, I went, <gasps> and he came right into me. I breathed him, his life force, right into me. Uh, and I knew that I'd got that connection. And he spoke to me a few days later. And he said, if you're, and I'll paraphrase this, if you're interested, I will help you to understand the scriptures. So I said, bet your bottom dollar I want to understand the Christian, <laughs> the, uh, the scriptures. Uh, and he has been helping me. And stuff, even from the book of Revelation, which is completely beyond understanding for most of us, including me, and still much of it for me. But uh, as the years have gone by, that's 19, no, it's 29 years ago, um, 1993. Uh, my understand, new understanding, as I've read the scriptures, has come into my mind, like a bolt from the blue. Oh, that's what that means. So what I would love to do is encourage people, keep on keeping on. Set your direction according to your heart's desire. I want to get into the light. I want to go for the light instead of outer darkness, back down. Uh, I want to set my course for the light. We will be helped. That is a certainty beyond all doubt. We are loved beyond imagining and we are helped beyond imagining. But all the while we are like a ship without a rudder, a chart, a compass, a sail, going whichever way the wind happens to be blowing, then our loving guides and helpers, including Jesus, they stand back because they're waiting for us to decide. I know Christians, Orthodox Christians, who say, we're waiting for Jesus to tell us what to do. Well, they'll wait a very long time because he's not going to tell us what to do because it's our journey and we have to take the steps. But he will help us if we ask. And if we decide, uh, well, I'm not certain, he will help us to attain a level of certainty by just being loving and gentle and accepting and caring and compassionate and giving. He's all of those things and much more. I would like if I, forgive me for hogging the microphone here, but there's one little incident that I would love to share. About three years ago, every morning, when I first thing when I come down in the morning, I empty the dishwasher. And on this particular Sunday morning, I was emptying the dishwasher and I became aware that Jesus was sitting on the kitchen counter uh, watching and just being there, loving. And his very presence is a joy beyond imagining to, to a slumbering mind. So for about the millionth time, I told him how much I love him, how much he, he how the great help and the blessing he is and all those things. 
Uh, and that probably went on for about a minute. Uh, and I was just pouring out my gratitude to him. And so he looked at me straight in the eye as I was speaking, and he listened attentively. And when I finished speaking, he said to me, everything you have just said about me is exactly the way I feel about you. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> really? I mean, that is, and he's saying that not just to me, he's saying that to you. He's saying it to the to anyone who is interested. And even if we're not saying those things to him, he what he's saying is, you are everything to me because you are my brother or brothers in the sonship of God, and we are as one. One son, albeit, uh, I think in a course of love, he says, we are the same yet different. Uh, now that sounds impossible to someone who doesn't understand esoteric reality, but we, I use the analogy of like um, a marriage, a happy, loving marriage. You've got two people who are different, who join together as one. And so they share this journey and it is, uh, they become the same and yet still different. And I can, Theresa and I have been married for 53 years. So we know a little bit about how that works. And we, we, we function as one. And there's so much telepathy going on. We're saying, oh, I was just about to say that. And that goes on every day. So, uh, but we're still different. Apart from the fact that we're complementary genders, which obviously is pretty significant, but the, the differences make our relationship even more joyful. It's all there. We've got all the examples, all the parables for us to recognize and say, wow, that applies as a print, what Jesus described to me as a principle of life of the Father, which is the, the laws or rules by which God's creation functions perfectly. It's only we've made a mess of it. <laughs> the one sort of law that most people are familiar with now is the law of attraction, which is part, It's to me, it's not the exact language. It's part of another principle and a collection of principles. Um, but before we go down that rabbit hole, there's so many directions we could splinter <laughs> off right now. Yeah. But the yeah. way that I would like to go, if it's all right with you, is you mentioned the book of Revelations, and there are some pretty wild interpretations of the book of Revelations going on at the moment in this crazy, chaotic period of awakening we find ourselves in. Yes. And I know, um, at least I've heard you speak about it with John Mundy, Mundy, Mundy on yeah. Sunday, isn't it? Yes, that's right about the Great Rescue program. program. I just thought it might be really lovely to speak about that, if, if that would be all right. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Well, that is a term, the Great Rescue program is a term that Jesus uh, used in describing to me in 1977, and he's used that term ever since. 
There are a lot of other terms that have emerged, like the at-one-ment and the great awakening and so on, but they amount to the same thing. Mm. Now, uh, humanity has been in need of rescue because we're in a mess. And that's the polite version. (laughs) We're in a mess and have been. I mean, Old Testament history goes back 4,000 years and before, and there's been war and conflict and all that business, murder and mayhem throughout. And so that is the, the state of going in the wrong direction, what Jesus calls going into outer darkness. Uh, so we've been in that kind of a mess. And there is no prospect, including today, of us extricating ourselves from that mess without help. Now, the one being that I know and know pretty well is Jesus, who can help us. Of course, he's not alone. There are untold others in the realms of light who are working with him, uh, all under Christ's authority and empowerment to help us. And so the Great Rescue Program is taking the collective energy of humanity which happens to be about seven point something billion bodies at the moment, but that's not including those who have laid aside their body and who are now occupying uh, astral realms or etheric realms. So there are lots of uh, people who need help. And the Great Rescue Program was devised uh, by God and he Uh, sent Jesus as his anointed messenger to bring the good news. The word gospel means good news. So uh, Jesus came with the Christ power and authority to bring the light from the outer darkness into which we had gradually descended. And that is what brings depression and despair. We've lost our way. And people without a purpose, and I'm talking about a meaningful purpose, a purpose to do some good, uh, then they will become depressed and even despairing and even suicidal. I know two people, I'm in contact with two people at the moment, one in America and one here in England, who uh, have been seriously thinking of ending their life. And I've met other, I know other people who have made several attempts at ending their life, but they were, they were stopped by divine intervention. They didn't understand that at the time, and that divine intervention manifested in human form as a, one as a policeman and so on. One as a dog walker and whoever. Doesn't matter the, the form of the divine intervention. Uh, if that person's journey is not yet completed, then, and that they have a purpose, even if they don't know that purpose, then they will be prevented, helped by divine intervention, whether it's from granny who's in spirit, or Jesus in spirit, or whoever, someone who knows that it is not our time to end this embodied journey. So we are helped, we are loved, 
And the Great Rescue Program is the step-by-step uh, -step, uh, progress of our journey individually and collectively, the whole human race. Now, an, a slumbering mind will say, well, that's ridiculous because some people are up here on their journey and other people down here, if you can see in my other hand, have barely started. So there's a huge gap. Well, if we think of humanity, the son of God, all X billion of us, in a ship, and that ship doesn't have a chart or a compass or a rudder or a sail uh, or a propeller, uh, so it's just floating. But what they're so there's no journey, there's no direction, and so there are some people who are high up and some people low down, all in a state of mishmash on this big vessel. But what they're missing is that there is a current, a, a, an ocean current. And if we think of the, the Atlantic, the North Atlantic Ocean, we have the Gulf Stream, which is a warm current starting around the Caribbean. And it's moving in a northwesterly direction. Uh, and so that ship is being moved along within the current. And it probably, the inhabitants of the ship, the occupants, probably don't even realize that they're actually moving. It's imperceptible to their earthly eyes. And they say, well, we want to be able to steer this ship because we want to go to wherever. We want to be in control. Perfectly said. Uh, we want to be in control. But we're not in control at our earth mind conscious level. And yet, as part of the sonship of God, as led by our elder brother, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, we are in control via his divine intervention. Uh, so we're being moved by the Gulf Stream, using that analogy, to, the, to a destination, which is where we'll start to see, golly, we thought we were, we thought nothing was happening. We thought we were still in this, to introduce another analogy, a whirlpool going round and round and round and getting nowhere, uh, but we're moving. And so that's what's happening to humanity. And even the most deeply slumbering uh, brothers or sisters in this life, they are actually progressing. And if it takes a few more incarnations, so what? In, in eternity, time is irrelevant, but we are on the journey. And that's the encouragement that I think we will serve ourselves well to take on board. When we begin our spiritual journey and we go within, we can sometimes, right at the beginning I'm talking about, when we're still really in a separated approach to life. Yes. A separated meaning, separated from our true self and just... In, in, and from in, our creator. And from our creator, yes. Or, you know, for those who aren't used to the language of creator, you know, separated from our source, separated yes. from the universe, separated from yeah. our own spirit, yeah, our own true state of being, then it's, it's hard to reconcile the both. It's hard to imagine that we could live as our true self or as our spirit self or source self or as the true intention of the creator 
in this yeah. physical material world. I mean, I'm still picking up a pencil to write a note. Um, yes. It's still a very <laughs> physical experience, isn't it? You know? Um, yes, it is. If someone gives me a whack, I certainly feel it. So yeah. <laughs> I just thought it might be really lovely to to he- hear some of your wisdom about why it's possible and that it that's how it's meant to be and that it is possible to live with the integration of both i guess is what i'm saying yes yes well uh the the fantastic news or uh yes good news about this is that we have an example an example life to follow and that is jesus now jesus took a a human body uh and but he was living in the world as an embodied soul, but he was not of the world. And so he was manifesting truth, love, light, life, uh, spirit, whatever, all the light and uh, positive uh, terms you can think of. He was living those and demonstrating them. And so he is our exemplar. And we can choose to follow him. So uh, the ego would say, yes, but we don't know what Jesus is thinking. Uh, So how can we follow him? How can we live like him? Well, that is the lie of Satan, to use a a churchified term. Uh, We all know exactly what Jesus is thinking. And in case we've forgotten, let me rehearse a few of the things he's thinking. He's thinking love, light. He's thinking life. He's thinking compassion. He's thinking caring. He's thinking blessing. Uh, He's thinking acceptance. And people say, well, I don't like that, so I don't want to accept it. And that it's because they don't want to accept it that it keeps persisting. What we resist persists. So just allow it. Uh, And so uh, the other crucial thing that he's thinking is non-judgment and humanity is functioning from a place of judgment judgmental attitudes oh look at that person aren't they fat aren't they ugly aren't they rich aren't they poor aren't they short aren't they tall aren't they miserable aren't they too happy whatever uh well they're on their journey and they're lost the same as we're lost So why don't we join with that person with a beneficent attitude instead of a judgmental attitude, keeping them separate? We've got to join up because we're brothers, siblings. That's a non-sexist term. We're siblings. Uh, We'll do well as a family within God, who invited me to call him Papa in 1996, uh so uh we're family well families work best when they're working in a in a cooperative manner but we're not cooperating america's not cooperating with china etc <laughs> at the moment britain isn't cooperating with france <laughs> forgive me i shouldn't have said that <laughs> Oh, well, I think our lists of examples at that kind of level would be endless at the moment. Yes, it would. It would indeed. 
but that so we we do know what Jesus is thinking, but we're resisting thinking like him. Well, we've got to stop thinking unlike him, and we've got to start thinking like him. And what we think is what we will end up living, demonstrating, being. And what he's demonstrating is the kingdom of heaven on earth. Mm. And that when we're all thinking like him, that is when the kingdom of heaven on earth will become manifest in everyone's life. I've had loads of mystical experiences about signs and wonders and things like that happening. Uh, but it's already present. But it's present in our hearts and minds. Now we're in the time of the great awakening, the grand finale, if you like, of the great awakening, and it's starting to emerge. So the kingdom of heaven, Michael Rhodes tells us, and I love what he says here. He says, the metaphysical always precedes the physical. So if we are generating, if we're creating the kingdom of heaven on earth, in our hearts and minds, the energy that's generated by that heart and mind functioning in unity and relationship, uh, if that energy we're generating is em emerging from us like a dynamo generating light, that uh, crystallizes in the, uh, in the metaphysical or the uh, spirit reality the realms of light, and it joins with it. And the energy accumulates and crystallizes so that we have the kingdom of heaven, if you like, hovering close to us, but not yet visible. And if we keep on adding to that and other people join with us in their own way and their own design, their own desire, uh, if they join with us, we're, we are generating so much light energy uh, in the in the spirit world, the metaphysical realm, if you like, uh, and that inevitably will come down as it crystallizes and becomes physical in our world. But that happens from our own within into the uh, into the uh, uh, esoteric reality, uh, and then we are connected to it so we are living it manifesting it in our own life exactly like jesus we won't we won't be identical to him because we're all different even though we're effectively the same but that's what's happening now and people who have eyes to see are experiencing it becoming aware of it and we get clues along the way you know little signs and synchronicities oh, yeah. give us the, you know, they're the clues, they're the, the little moments of reassurance, they're the pat on the back, so to speak, to yes. say, keep up the good work. Yeah. Yes, yes. But we have to be uh, open to, to recognising those yeah. things. Yeah. Yes. But it's there, even for mm. people who don't believe any of it, it's still there because mm. they're God's, God's creation. Mm. Everyone's chosen. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> That's a whole nother. That can be quite hard to um, wrap your mind around at the beginning. Um, yes. Especially uh, with 
some of the things that are going on in the world at the moment. But let's not dive down that rabbit hole. Let's keep that one for another day. I'm not yeah. quite sure how long we've been talking, but people don't have forever to listen to my podcast. So, Well, it's a little more than an hour and a half. Oh, my gosh. It felt like 10 minutes. Well, maybe a little more, but definitely yes. not an hour and a half. Is there anything you'd like to add, Brian, before we wrap up? The thing that I've been prompted to share at this point, because we really ought to be wrapping up, is um, in about 1968, when I was, I'd been on this journey with Jesus, personal journey with Jesus for about 18 months, something like that. Uh, and I was, you know, so enthusiastic and gung-ho for it all. The kingdom of heaven on earth, when the earth, when the earth is in such a muddle, Let's bring this show, let's just get this show on the road. So I said to Jesus, why don't you just tell me the answer to the top 10 questions in terms of importance for sorting out the mess of the world? Why don't you give me the answer to the top 10 questions? And then we can just really get this show on the road. And he, he smiled patiently and lovingly and gently. And he said, well, it doesn't actually work quite like that. Uh, this is a growing process. And we have to grow one step at a time, one day at a time. Otherwise, we'll get in a muddle. And part of our being in its expression, like our intellect, will get ahead of itself. And that will cause an imbalance. Part of us will be up here and the other parts are down here struggling to catch up. And that's going to cause confusion. So we've got to grow one step at a time. So that's what's happening. And that's been happening, let's say, from the time of Jesus's incarnation through the last 2000 years. That is happening. And we are like the caterpillars who have now uh, gone into the chrysalis and been reformulating themselves where the molecular structure of the caterpillar is dissolved by itself uh, and it reforms itself within the chrysalis as the butterfly and that's where we are at now we're in the chrysalis having almost completed the process if i can interject a bit of linear time into that uh, we have we've we're just at the place of readiness for that chrysalis to begin to crack open and the butterfly to emerge soaring into the sunlight so that's i tell that's you what if are. i was a listener now i'd really be wanting to know about that linear time part now are we talking about multiple lifetimes or well it can be it can be all of those things or some of them, we have free will. So we can, we can awaken in this moment, if that is our desire and our will and our commitment, uh, and if those things are steadfast enough, uh, that can happen. Uh, and I'm moving from the consciousness of linear time to beyond into a state of timelessness. Uh, but ultimately, linear time is something that uh, 
that humanity in taking a wrong path and ending up going downwards into outer darkness, uh, we've made up. So time and eternity appear to be opposites, but one will gradually, as our awakening progresses, the one will become uh, merged and part of the oneness. Uh, it's like Einstein said when asked about this, and he said, uh, time is a movable feast. I'm paraphrasing, but he said, time is a movable feast. And uh, if you are, if you are, put, if you put your hand on a hot stove, one minute will seem like an hour. But if you uh, are in love with that beautiful woman and you get to spend an hour with her, it will feel like a minute. Even though it's both, this, you know, different ways of perceiving what linear time appears to be. And linear time is nothing to do with atomic clocks, which simply go tick tock. I've got a, an atomic clock here with a signal being transmitted from, from Germany. So it's one hour ahead of it's saying that it's 12.37, whereas it's 11.37 in Britain. And I've got another atomic clock in the living room, which is, comes from Greenwich, which is in London. So that's telling us the time on a tick-tock, tick-tock basis. But we, linear time is what we want to make it, not what the clock tells us. So in this conversation, if we've been in the zone, as it were, then an hour and a half goes quickly, and it doesn't seem like an hour and a half. If we were struggling, it would seem like two or three hours. But we've been on the same wavelength. We've been connecting. Uh, so it's gone spontaneously, effortlessly, smoothly. And Jesus said to a friend of ours, Steve, about 40 or more years ago, uh, my peace is in at one month. At one month is without effort. Now, we're all, we all think we've got to strive and struggle and race and uh, that our journey is one of uh, progress by dint of our own sweat of our brow, etc. But that's not at one moment. That's trying to make things happen according to our limited understanding of them. Mm. And it's all about all that kind of living space in fear if we really dig down. And that's what uh, gives us the appearance, the, the seeming experience of linear time. Um, uh, which is, if you like, governed by the attitude, uh, gosh, look at the time. Uh, I've got to get so much done uh, and time's running out. Uh, you know, I've only got a few more years before I'm going to depart from this mortal coil uh, and I won't get everything done. It's mm. like the in um, Alice in Wonderland where she encounters the white rabbit who's looking at his pocket watch and saying, and he's running. He's in a hurry. Uh, look at the time. It's late, and I'm late. Uh, so, uh, and he's like this. He's in turmoil, and that's what humanity is like. <laughs> mm. I'm rushing. There's no rush in eternity. <laughs> How do we join with eternity? By stopping, rushing, 
no more rushing uh, and simply allowing. Surrender, accept, and allow. Surrender our um, uh, earth mind ego consciousness uh, to back into the control uh, of the freeholder of this embodied state which is our Christ self, our higher self, our real self, whatever we want to call it. It is the self that is not manifesting in the turmoil of this world, mm. but simply looking on uh, uh, in a state of quiescence. Um, so until we ask. Until we ask. Mm. Yeah. I could just keep on and on. <laughs> Forgive me. Well, we were trying to wrap up. <laughs> yes. It's always such a pleasure talking with you, Brian, and I'm so glad we've recorded our first conversation. I'm hoping there will be more. And men to that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You can and, sign me on for it whenever you like. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, um, you know. If, if you're listening and, and there's something you'd like Brian to answer or comment on or a specific topic, just let us know. But, uh, yeah. Brian, I'll put the links to your website, which have all the, um, uh, what are your words, the Christ, no, the Diary of Christ, a Christ Diary communicant of a Christ Communicant. And yes. the Messages of Encouragement. Yeah. And the details of your books and how to get in contact with you. They'll all be on the show notes page for this episode, which is at livetrue2you.com. So thank you very much, Brian, for joining me on the More Love podcast. It's been an absolutely fabulous conversation. And for those I've listening, thank you, I have too. And for those listening in to this conversation, I hope it's revealed more of the power, truth, and reality of love, the real love, the unconditional love. Hallelujah. And, give, and giving you greater <laughs> confidence that your sensitivity to love is, in, in fact, a superpower worth loving. And if anyone, uh, if anyone uh, wants to ask any questions, a lot of people are very shy and nervous about asking questions. But if they want to email me, my email address is on the website. And it'll um, be on the show. I'll add it to the show notes page yes. as well. Yes. Um, and uh, we can keep things going. And I have a forum page on the website, which I neglected for about five years because I was busy writing those books. Uh, but I've now just reactivated. So anyone who asks a pertinent question, like Adrian with his depression, which is what started this, um, then I've posted that using and uh, a disguised name so that um, I'm not betraying his privacy, um, then that's posted on the forum page. And um, because the idea is to be helpful to other people who are experiencing whatever someone has written in about, so they can read stuff that um, might be helpful to them as well. Mm. Yeah, it's a great resource. Yes. Because mm. none of our situations are as unique as we think they are when we're right in the thick of it. Yes. There, what has, sorry. What has 
astonished me is that um, when people uh, write in or speak on Skype or anything and say, you know, I've got this problem, uh, almost instantly is brought into my mind uh, some quotes or a chapter from one of the seven books. So uh, it's like I've written this vast, as about 900,000 words in those seven wow. books. Uh, so um, w when they ask this question, the answer, it, which is already written and printed and published, I can just lift that and say, here's your answer. And that's what I did with Adrian. Uh, I shared with him chapter 44 from book three, because there was a clue in his question about depression. Uh, and that chapter is actually entitled Returning to Right-Minded Thinking. And so the message was all, it's like God. He, he knows what we're going to ask uh, and before has provided the answer it. before we ask it. So I'd written the answer before, before Adrian asked the question. And that saves a lot of time. If I can just <laughs> copy and paste, I can continue doing that. So there's um, six, five, there's a, over 300 different uh, answer things in the form of a chapter, because there, there are th over 300 chapters, 350 chapters or something in those seven books. And each one is focusing on a particular matter, which is affecting humanity as it's experiencing itself at the present time. Mm. Amazing. I didn't know this was how it was going to happen, but it's just becoming to my awareness that that's, that was all part of the plan. Mm. And if that, if that doesn't demonstrate that we are watched over and that the plan was formulated before we took a body and we come down to then implement it, but that can only happen if we ask for help, help from wise counsel and empowered uh, help that can manipulate the stuff of dreams to their command and teach us how we also, just like Jesus 2000 years ago, can also remember how to manipulate the stuff of dreams to our command, which might be, uh, where there's some dreadful problem, insoluble, pro apparently insoluble problem uh, arising, uh, the answer is actually available. But we've got to ask, how am I going to resolve this? Please help. And then it will just, uh, the answer will manifest itself over however long, a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, months, whatever. And then we can look back and say, that was easy. Why did I make such a big deal about it? Uh, there was nothing to it. But I couldn't see that there was nothing to it because I was fearful, depressed, uh, despairing, whatever. So when we go into the stillness within, that's where the answers all lie. Okay. Thank you so much, Helen. I've loved every minute of this. And uh, 
I look forward to further connections between us. Oh, me too. Me too. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you, Brian. Brilliant. My joy. My pleasure. Bless you. Take care and farewell.